DKS28 is powered by cliffcentral.com. Uncensored, unhinged, and unradio. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Kung Fu Show, a podcast and video cast for startup founders and entrepreneurs. Even if you're alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs across the world hustling today's markets. At Digital Kung Fu, we have one goal to help entrepreneurs succeed in their ventures through information sharing, digitally connecting them with other entrepreneurs, and by dissecting and deconstructing the world's leading business minds right here on this show. Remember, you can view the full show notes on our website at digitalkungfu.co. .za or tweet this show using our handle at Digital Kung Fu ZA or follow us on Facebook.com slash Digital Kung Fu ZA. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Matt. Um, yeah, so in this interview, uh, I'm going to introduce you to a, actually a good friend of mine, uh, Nathan Stevenson. He's the current CEO of uh, Forward Lane out in New York. Uh, which is a startup which is disrupting through the use of artificial intelligence a $16 trillion financial industry. And we'll jump into the, the specifics about that play in a minute. Um, and what I really love about this interview is that um, Nathan really, really understands what artificial intelligence means for businesses today. And more importantly, its implications from an exponential technology perspective for uh, entrepreneurs and startup founders. In my view, I think artificial intelligence is an incredibly exciting uh, technology and really will shape the future of business as we know it for the foreseeable future. So without further ado, allow me to introduce you to Nathan Stevenson. How's it, guys? And welcome to the 28th installment of the Digital Kung Fu Show. My name is Steven. Uh, no, it's actually Matt. I'm just checking if you guys are actually listening. <laughs> and I'd like to kick us off with a quote. And that quote is, uh, quote, the question of whether a computer can think is no more interesting than the question of whether a submarine can swim, end quote. So, guest today is Nathan Stevenson, a serial entrepreneur and the founder of Forward Lane, uh, the world's first cognitive finance product, which is disrupting a um, not not unsizable $16 trillion wealth management industry. So, Nathan, it's so great to have you on the call, buddy, uh, and it's great to have you in the hot seat today. Thanks, Matt. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here on Digital Kung Fu. Right, bro. So um, let's jump straight into things. So I mentioned Forward Lane in the intro, but it's not your first startup. So what have you been doing in the entrepreneurial space? What's that kind of you know backstory that uh, you feel like you should tell? Sure. So um, I left South Africa with um, with the hopes of a career in finance, and went to London and spent um, around ten years working in finance at BNP Paribas and and at CQS a hedge fund. When the financial crisis hit, I, I thought that there there must be more to life than finance, and uh, decided to go and pursue my dreams. And it was at that point that I became an entrepreneur, uh, which is around. Uh, seven years ago, actually. And um, I went and uh, got into film financing uh, and then music publishing. And then uh, most recently, um, I started a company called Hotels by Day, which uh, allows you to book a morning, uh, afternoon, morning, midday, afternoon stay uh, at a great hotel uh, through your mobile phone. Uh, great for travelers, great for uh, those red-eyed flights, um, 
and built that into around 300 hotels. Where now it's growing organically around 80 percent, 80 percent rapidly, um, and it's in 32 cities. So, um, so that was kind of uh, the first flight of success as um, an entrepreneur, and I uh, learned a lot. Um, and then most recently. I started falling uh, around two years ago. It's, we've been up and running for about a year. And um, it's um, we've kind of been going from strength to strength. And the whole idea behind it is how do we take um, what the super rich are getting in terms of a personalized investment experience? We have, they have a team of financial specialists monitoring the markets in the world and helping them identify risks and and mitigating those risks to save them money and uh, to keep them wealthy. And how do we take a lot of that thinking and that, that experience and bring it downstream to everyone um, using uh, advanced technology such as artificial intelligence? And that's really what we're focused on. Okay, superb, dude. So tell me something. I have to pick up on the film investing side of things. <laughs> how did that How did that? Well, when until you've had some exits. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> film financing is, is, is a great uh, and very interesting industry. Uh, yeah, ultimately, what, uh, what, what I found after working with uh, – People like Shaker Kapoor, who uh, directed Elizabeth and uh, the Elizabeth the Golden Age and won Oscars. And I worked with uh, Jim Jacks, who uh, produced the Mummy trilogy, um, and um, and also the producers of the Italian job and Snakes in the Plane. And after uh, spending a lot of time uh, doing kind of getting projects together, uh, you find that uh, something that happens in the outside industry could uh, scupper a whole project. Uh, we had a, uh, a deal uh, with MGM uh, to release a dragon, one of the first 3D dragon films ever. Um, and uh, we, so we had the distribution agreement for a wide release in the US, 2,500 screens, and then MGM, MGM went bankrupt. Um, and as a result of the distribution agreement falling through, uh, because MGM went bankrupt, the dragon film didn't get created. Um, but, um, so, you know, stories like that, that, um, you know, I spent around 18 months working on that project and, uh, it was going to be one hell of a payday, but, um, (laughs) but it was outside of my hands, you know, so, and, and a lot of that kind of stuff happens in film industry. So, uh, but it's hell of a fun, you know, the Cannes Film Festival is awesome. Sundance, uh, Hollywood, uh, you know, I lived out in LA for, quite some time lived the entourage lifestyle. So definitely can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I had the privilege of watching you Joel on the uh, super yachts in, uh, in Cannes in the South of France. Thanks very much for those. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> That's the one thing I've, uh, you always seem to land in your ass and butter or something, or you live in the high life. It's just uh, an unbelievable kind of belief, I guess you've always had in what you've been doing. So it's been awesome to watch really. Thanks. No, dude, no worries, man. Thank you. <laughs> it's inspiring. It really is. Um, so, especially when it's someone you know, or you've known for at least a decade. So, <laughs> so I'm just actually catching that. The backstory between me and Nathan is that uh, Nathan was actually a club promoter and I was a DJ back in the day. Um, and uh, I used to DJ at Nathan's parties. So it's um, when I say we go back, we go back. <laughs> 
All the way back yeah. to the good old days. Yeah, I know. What's happened? Shit. Can't be- <laughs> <laughs> There's more good days ahead. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. For you, but especially for you. And uh, let's focus on, on what you're doing, guys. So sorry for the detour there. <laughs> um, so I obviously know that you're South African, of course. Um, but what actually you know, compelled you to leave South Africa to pursue your entrepreneurial journey? Um, well, what, what happened is um, after spending a, a year or two traveling around the world and um, I was back in South Africa visiting family and I actually spent two years uh, back in South Africa and uh, lived in in uh, Craigle Park in Johannesburg, worked at the, the JC the stock, at the Stock Exchange and had a, had a really great time. Uh, but... You know, once you've had a taste of the big wide world, um, I, I guess it's just uh, the sense that there's something more out there, and I just had this vague sense of something more being out there. And and then uh, off the back of uh, meeting some partners at the Cannes Film Festival, they actually invited uh, me out to New York to work on this business plan uh, for Matchpoint, which is bringing together film and music, and and so I went out for uh, about a month, uh, kind of quit my job, went out for, for a month, and, uh, and landed up having a, a great time um, and started getting some real traction. And off the back of that, uh, you know, I just found America is a, a very interesting place because um, everybody speaks English. There's a huge market. It's kind of the source of many new things. Uh, whether it's, uh, you know, film and entertainment and, and Hollywood and like LA, um, whether it's technology and new ideas in San Francisco, Silicon Valley and, and in New York, uh, or finance, uh, in New York City. So, uh, it, I just thought it really so dynamic. And, uh, after living in Europe and, and London and, and having, uh, spent time in, in, in that part of the world, it's almost like an entire new Europe to, to explore and to, to play with. So, uh, I really, uh, really enjoyed that, uh, a lot and kind of decided to, to spend more time doing, doing, doing this. Mm. Yeah. It's, um, it's very interesting. I was, um, chatting to Vinnie Lingham the other day. Have you actually met him in the circles? I think I, I have, I think I have, uh, but not recently. He was actually at Cinebate. Um, and I was at Spinnovate and we just missed each other (laughs) okay cool yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, it's interesting because he's he was uh, he basically obviously built Gift here and then moved over to Silicon Valley, exited Gift for like fifty fifty million dollars or something small like that. But in our world, it's immense. Wow. With no no disrespect, fifty million is not an unsizable yeah. you know chunk of money. Um, but I, yeah, I it's fantastic. Yeah, it's amazing. I hugely respect him, um, and he's such a visionary. Um, and he's just launched um, Civic. Uh, the identity insurance, digital identity insurance um, value prop. Have you uh, have you been following it? That's fantastic. No, I haven't I had a look at it yet, so I'd love to take a closer look. Yeah. So earlier in earlier on uh, when we were chatting, um, you mentioned artificial intelligence and AI for sure. It's obviously quite a buzzword. There's a lot of hype around it. They, the markets or the media are at least portraying it, and many experts portray us as being one of the most disruptive exponential technologies that we'll see or that we have seen. Um, and um, obviously Forward Lane uses AI 
um, more specifically IBM Watson, right? Yeah, in fact, uh, we've just uh, more recently started developing our own uh, neural networks, which we're creating natively. Um, but yeah, we have been, we are partners with IBM Watson. We also use uh, Google's APIs. Uh, but the really exciting news on the AI front is that we're doing our own primary research. And uh, some of the results we're getting are very uh, exciting in uh, natural language processing and uh, very deep convolutional neural networks. We're mm-hmm. building them in Python using Torch 7. Uh, natively and um, training them on GPU uh, uh, GPU distributed systems on AWS. So mm-hmm. uh, very exciting stuff. Okay. Yeah, I mean, um, for for the listeners that don't potentially know what Nathan's just rolled off his tongue, lots of acronyms in there. <laughs> but um, so I can describe it in in, in more uh, in, in everyday language. Uh, yeah, uh, okay, the easiest way to think of of, of AI is um, as uh, human senses. So the goal of AI is to to help scale. Uh, things that we do every day using the power of machines. And the difference between humans and machines is that you can network uh, machines together so that uh, they can uh, do things uh, kind of in holding hands. So if uh, if they can listen to something, if you deploy 100 machines or 1,000 machines, they can all listen together, whereas you can't replicate uh, 1,000 versions of yourself. Um so, so this is really uh, the, kind of one of the big goals. And ultimately, what scientists have sought to do is to, is to look at how, break down how we as human beings read things, um, how do we actually process text. So, uh, you know, when you're reading a, 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 a letter or an article, the first thing you're doing is, is, identifying whether or not you can actually read it. So the first thing you need to know is to is language. Um, and then you need to be able to identify what language it is. So if it's written in Spanish or Russian, you might not be able to read it. So if it's written in English, most likely you can read it because you've been taught English. But then it comes, uh, there's other layers to that in terms of context. So if you don't understand uh, the context in which this is written, if you're not trained, to understand that this article is about digital marketing um, and you don't know anything about marketing or digital, then you're not going to get anything out of reading that document. Uh, so there's, there's a couple of different layers here. And uh, both IBM Watson and uh, Microsoft and Facebook and Google are, are really trying to solve for these things, which is natural language processing and understanding, which is the reading part. Um, then there's the vision part, um, because um, as people, what we're doing is we're, we're matching shapes and objects to our understanding of the world, which we learned as babies as we, uh, as we grew up uh, and, and progressed. And we started you know, flipping through those picture books and saying, dog, cat, giraffe. Um, and as we started learning a little bit more, we could identify families of animals and the difference between a cow and a sheep, for example. Um, and the AI learns in a similar way. It learns from scratch uh, in the same way we as humans do. And what that allows uh, computer systems to do is to recognize images. 
and obviously that's uh, a lot more advanced uh, now in terms of um, you can recognize even emotion. In fact, emotion is one of the kind of leading edges of AI at the moment, which is detecting emotion in in text, in speech, and in in vision, so in, in facial recognition. Um, so these are all very exciting possibilities. Uh, but ultimately, it's it's marrying these these three elements together, which is uh, senses, which is reading, writing, talking, um, and uh, and vision. Uh, and then there's the brain part too. So uh, scientists have uh, sought to to replicate uh, to a certain extent our memory. So Matt, you and I have shared history. So you know we're talking uh, about our past relationships. So why not bring in past relationships between a human and a machine or between two humans and incorporate that into how you answer a question? This gives more context to the person you're speaking to. Uh, so these are some of the ways in which uh, people are using AI today to try and replicate the human experience and ultimately give you something that's more personalized and uh, more tailored to you, uh, whether it's uh, – Film recommendations, investment recommendations, or just directions, um, you know, to get from A to B. Mm. Yeah, it's um, it's incredibly mind-blowing, if I'm honest. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how you feel about it. I just think the applications for AI and, and cognitive learning applications, the permeations of that are just literally endless. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I just to guess, I suppose add my, my one cent, not even two cents, into that whole AI <laughs> description from Nathan. Um, so what was the – it was IBM Watson, right, that, that beat the world's best – uh, Jeopardy players, and then there was Google's yes. DeepMind, right? That um, beat yes. uh, uh, I forget the guy's name, uh, but anyway, an ancient Chinese game called Go with unlimited options, and it was really the first demonstration of how a machine can actually learn on the fly. Whereas IBM Watson was kind of pre-programmed, so it would basically search a bunch of records effectively at you know rapid you know a rapid space or whatever or time. And then display the answer. So really, it's, it has significantly evolved AI as a capability. Um, and how, how exactly are you guys using AI in the forward land context? So we know it's a financial services play. Um, and then is it again about, you know, crunching more data than what could ordinarily be possible by, say, a team of advisors? Yeah, so um, so just talking to uh, to to that game of Go, it was Lisa Dole um, that played Deep Q, which is uh, DeepMind's um, uh, intelligence agent. And uh, the game of Go has got more possible moves than atoms in the known universe. Wow! So it's very sophisticated, and um, and it executed a move called Move uh, Number Thirty Seven which seems like a mistake uh, whereby uh, Pebble was placed into the middle of the board. It seemed like a, a very simple uh, way of, of losing, but in fact, it enabled uh, DeepMind uh, to win the game by building an advantage right at the center of the game. So, um, and uh, it's been described as, uh, as a very mysterious move because no human being could possibly conceive of actually making that move because it seems like a, a, a total mistake. Um, so that was very, very interesting. And I think that's 
to me the first real true AI. Now, mm. how does um, how does uh, Four Lane use AI? So what we do is we process uh, news and research from Thomson Reuters, uh, from Morningstar, uh, from Lipper, and and other data sources. We um, we then synthesize that using natural language processing. So think of it as scanning a document in 3D. We're scanning it at a document level, a paragraph level, a section level, uh, a sentence level. And we're building like a, a contour map of concept, which it actually brings out entities like tickers or company names or people names. It separates out sentiments or positive and negative. And because you've got this kind of 3D layer, um, it, it gives you effectively a heat map um, of that, those documents. And then we link all of that together with a scoring model. So um, by building a, a persona of who you are and marrying this with uh, our processing of all the, the news and research, uh, we, can, we can marry this with your portfolio. So ultimately what we can do is show you how events in the world are impacting your investments in real time. And you can actually ask questions about real-world events and get synthesized snapshots out of uh, all of the news in the whole of Thomson Reuters, um, out of all of the research uh, that is out there that's been published by the big banks. Mm-hmm. And the point of this is to enable the everyday person, and at least their financial advisors, uh, to deliver much smarter advice. So it's like having 10,000 research assistants uh, reading and listening to everything that's going on um, on, the, on, on the net for you and making sense of it and uh, relating it to you in, like, in natural language in, in ways that uh, they just are intuitive. Mm. And in real time, too. And in real time, yes. Yeah, and that's, um, so, that's, that's the value, right? Really, at the end of the day. How do you make better yeah, decisions faster? Yeah, and then and then we're also working with some some banks on direct to to consumer applications. In fact, some European and Asian banks that have got close on a, a million customers. And what they're interested in is how do you have uh, a delightful, engaging conversation across channels? So starting on your mobile phone, uh, you know, going to your iPad. Uh, going to in person, you speak to somebody uh, uh, through a call center that picks up the conversation where it left off, and the conversation has got all the intelligence of the whole bank built into it. Uh, it knows all about financial education topics. It knows about investments. It knows about your portfolio. So you can ask a question like, uh, what is the impact of Brexit on my portfolio? And you can get a synthesis that comes out of your bank's views on Brexit or uh, the latest news that's related to that. Um, and then you could, you could kind of step through that process. So the next time you're on a call center, when the person picks up the phone, you're not having to go through 10 different layers to actually get a simple answer to your question. They're just saying, oh, Matt, I saw that uh, you know, you're feeling uh, a little bit uh, cautious the last time we, we had a chat um, at 1.57 yesterday. Um, you know, is there anything I can do to, to, to help you here? Uh, are you interested in some insurance products or, uh, you know, we've identified some risks and here's some things that you might want to consider. Uh, so this is a lot more advanced way of interacting with the bank, um, where you're, you have this real relationship 
um, that is personal and intuitive, and it finds you where you are at. You're not having to go to the bank. The bank comes to you, um, and it finds you where, where you are both emotionally and uh, you know, mentally. That's insane. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. That's <laughs> so rad because um, my team's actually building, well, using AI to deliver kind of marketing communications and so on. So basically what I'm talking about are bots, you know, and they're kind of the embryonic stages of, of um, or sort of uh, instances of AI, I suppose, as it exists, where it creates some form of value to, to a scale. Yeah market you know one market that's of quite a large size but um what are your thoughts on bots actually i think bots um are an interesting proposition i think that they're gonna get smarter over time and this first wave that we've seen are um um i don't know i i would say like fun um, and interesting. Ultimately, what they are is is a conversational interface like WhatsApp, that's or Facebook Messenger, which is just plugged into a set of commands, um, which in the IT world is called APIs. So it's ultimately it's just uh, sending tasks backwards and forwards, uh, which is uh, fine, but it's not really. Um, it's nothing you couldn't really do with Siri or um, or actually just you know using your phone like an app. Mm. Um, it's not so, going to tell you who your uh, who your ideal woman is. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, <laughs> but um, but I'm pretty sure that there is a bot for that. Uh, Today. No, but um, you, are, you are right, though. I totally agree with you. They are, or they're not, I suppose they're, they're really just a, a foray, I suppose, into a new piece of tech that is AI driven, that is actually, you know, massively consumer facing for the first time. Because typically AI was so closed, you know what I mean? It was only like, for instance, yeah. Google's DeepMind and TensorFlow. And there's now, like, for instance, you guys are developing your own third party kind of or proprietary tech around AI, which I think is super fucking exciting. <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, it's, and that's really where it's at. And it's, it's, um, it's literally a modern day version of the wild, wild west out there at the moment. Um, I, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, but it's exciting. I mean, there's no experts out there. Like if you wanted to get into VR, for example, like today you could become an expert. If you wanted to get into AI, Cool. Well, then, you know, apply your focus and all that good stuff and you can become an expert. Like these things are so, so fresh. They're so fringe technology or fringe technologies that are, um, you know, really becoming commercially viable from an application perspective for the first time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that uh, I would definitely encourage anybody that is listening to, to Digital Kung Fu to go out and get your hands on a Microsoft Louis, L-U-I-S. Try out wits.ai from Facebook. Um, And and even IBM's uh, Converse uh, APIs. They're quite fun to play with. And uh, you can get a basic bot out there quite quickly. Uh, Now, one of the most important things to bear in mind is uh, when you're speaking to somebody, just a human being, how do you determine whether or not you're going to continue to speak to them or you're interested in speaking to them in the first place. 
mostly it's around what are they going to say? So I think that's a large part of what is uh, a good bot design, uh, which is what are you actually going to be talking about? And how does that conversation go? Um, and if you can think of, if you can write down a good conversation and it seems in, interesting and engaging to you, um, and you personally get some value out of it, then go ahead and, and, you know, create a bot around it. Mm. 10,000 bots are being created every week. How crazy is that? Mm. Uh, yeah. I had a meeting this week with uh, a, a brand or client um, who shall not be named. <laughs> uh, to, to talk to them about uh, bots. And, um, and I said to them, you know, they didn't quite, they were asking lots of the kind of one-on-one questions around should I or shouldn't I invest in doing something with bots? For instance, one of the questions yeah. were, um, why would any of my customers want to talk to me on Facebook Messenger? Um, and, you know, it was like, it was, it's not a, it's not a, it's a good question, right? But the reality is it's like brands are, ugh, consumers are already talking to brands. They want to talk to brands and they are talking to them all the time, especially about things that go wrong. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So, so, yeah. and, and, but you can't scale a service across a, a big company. A startup is one thing, but a big company to provide a consistent, scalable and automated service. That is the, those are the key things that really will define the sort of customer experience of brands in the next few years. And I think AI is going to play a big role in that. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as a simple way of thinking about it, um, these windows that pop up when you go to websites and you have these customer support people that kind of get in your way. Now, you have to kind of ask yourself the question, why do those people get in your way? And for the most part, it's because you kind of know that they're just not going to be able to ask your question. It's going to take a long time and it's just going to be a real pain in the ass. And you'd rather actually just continue to try and find what you wanted to find on the website yourself. Mm. Now, um, if, if you can, if you know that you're going to the website and you're going to get really exactly what you want to know back. Um, and it's because the AI is processed everything that sits in the whole of that website and more. In fact, it's processed every, all the call transcripts of all the customer support people. So it's literally got in its brain everything that 
any customer support person could have, then you're going to engage with it some more. And it can, you know, you could ask it a much more sophisticated question and get a sophisticated answer back. Now, if you can have those kinds of conversations, what does it do? It brings you closer to the brand. Mm. It builds trust between you and the company, and it saves you time because you're now not having to browse through the entire website. Um, so we're speaking to um, uh, an, a couple of different uh, uh, clients around this, which is uh, generating customer acquisition in a very natural way because you know, you've now got trust. You've built the trust uh, with the company, um, and my kind of uh, you know guts feel validation for this is um, would it work with me? You know, so would I be happy speaking to 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 this, and how would I like to engage? And if uh, if I'm kind of feel happy, and if I actually feel that my own trust levels go up, then I know that I've succeeded. And at this point in time, yes, I do actually want to speak to somebody. And yeah, I do actually probably want to buy whatever it is that you're selling. Mm. Um, so I think um, I think it's really good for helping get over that trust curve in an autonomous way by finding people uh, at their level of sophistication uh, rather than just assuming everybody is dumb, which is what uh, chatbots currently do. So yeah, um, so I think that's the promise of of conversational interfaces. Mm-hmm. Are you worried about? Uh, oh, sorry. Let me pre- pretext this uh, question a bit more. Uh, Wait, but why? Did you ever read that blog? Uh, no. What is what is it called again? Oh, mate. Wait, but why? Tim Urban. I'll send you. I'll send you the link, and also post the link up in the show notes. Um, it's amazing, dude. He actually writes this um, super long form. Uh, blog post all about AI, its history, how it developed and where it's potentially going. And he defines that there's effectively three terms of it, well, three sort of stages of AI. There's artificial basic intelligence, which are things like your Siri, right? Or when you do effectively a Google search yeah. or something like that. Then you've got artificial general intelligence, which as you know, is about like what you, all you, what you described just now, which is really about replicating the human emotionally and experientially as well. But then where does it go? And this and the and you get two schools of thoughts. One is the world's going to end and the other one is that it's not that bad. <laughs> but it's artificial super intelligence, uh, which is beyond our comprehension in terms of capabilities. Like um, he describes, for instance, how uh, ASI in this instance would be able to literally rebuild physical things. Uh, using whatever technology and recreating technology on the fly and things like that. Anyway, it's all super <laughs> theoretical stuff. But um, should we be worried about AI and where it's going? I think it's a it's it's a very good question. Um, I mean, what we're seeing as like the beginnings of that is that um, machines are starting to be able to read and learn languages from character up without any explanation of what a subject is. So at some point, and this is actually something that we're working on right now. um, So at some point, uh, a machine will be able to just start reading and learning. And there will actually be no real limitations in terms of how quickly it does that and learn. So, you know, if you think of it from that standpoint, uh, you should be able to get to a very, very high degree of education uh, relatively quickly. 
Um, so, you know, I think it really depends a lot on what you're talking about in terms of this artificial superintelligence. Now, if you train it based on history, then, um, then ultimately you'd hope it would learn from mistakes in the same way that humans have learned from mistakes, or it might end up repeating mistakes in the same way that we do too. So I think that there's a lot of like, uh, more specific details around that, that, uh, you know, need to be answered. What I do know is that approaching that artificial superintelligence is what we're seeing, which is 100% fully automated autonomous financial markets. And um, I, I see this as perhaps eight to 10 years off, at which point no trading whatsoever will take place by humans or even by humans entering orders into computers. Uh, it will be completely autonomous and, um, and driven by AIs that think for themselves um, and trade for themselves. And that, to me, is a really fascinating uh, space and probably the first realm in which artificial superintelligence will actually uh, appear because of uh, the kind of uh, desire to, to automate uh, high-frequency trading and things like that. So think about this. The capital markets help determine the allocation of resources between countries, between companies, and, and people. Now... Imagine having that decided autonomously for us with some human controllers, but ultimately the ins and outs being done by AI. That is actually going to be a reality. Um, so I think that is a little bit scary, um, quite exciting. Uh, it should make for a very much more dynamic world. And I think a, probably a more even distribution of resources and better prices for everybody around. So. From that standpoint, I think it's a good thing. Um, and um, but I do think that there is uh, the the kind of X factor, uh, which is you know what what happens if you create a machine which is ruled by its own logic, which does not factor in our logic. Mm. Um, and I do know that that initiatives like Elon Musk's Open AI. And uh, Qualcomm are doing a lot of cutting-edge research in terms of robotics and also AI. And what they're looking at doing is building an empathy um, and um, sympathy, basically, for humans. So I think as the people that are getting closer to those breakthroughs, as they get closer to those breakthroughs, um, there's going to be more and more of that empathy factor built in. And, um, and I think you're starting to see that with, uh, with uh, some of the most cutting edge work now focused on emotion um, and AI actually detecting and being able to respond to emotions. Um, so I think, you know, don't be worried about it anytime soon because it's at least five to eight years off um, in, in my books. Uh, maybe more. And um, I think by the time we get there, we'll know a lot more um, about it and have a lot more granularity in terms of how we get there. It's not just going to happen by accident. Mm. Um, I'm scared absolutely 
petrified about the whole fact about you know global markets <laughs> being controlled by AIs. So it's like a war of machines that impact the entire world and people's lives at the end of the day, and it's all controlled by a machine or a set of machines effectively competing against each other, right? That is true. So, so what's the point of difference then? If you have these machines effectively competing against each other, technology as we know is going to evolve, right? So you're obviously building your own AI. What do you see as the kind of point of difference when you compare AI B to AI C? It's really in the, the data that, um, that you can feed it. Um, so the more access to data you have, um, the more intelligent it can be because an AI is, a, is and just like a, a child, really, uh, if you only teach a child uh, English, you already know English. If you teach a child any, like 20 languages, if it has the capacity to do that and to learn math, there's no physical limitation to that child. And it's going to be a smarter kid, right? Um, and it's the same with AIs in financial markets. Uh, the race uh, in uh, at companies like Point72, which is formerly SAC, um, and at Bridgewater, and at World Quant Ventures, um, these are all world-leading hedge funds. And what they are now are focused on is data. How can they bring in different types of data sets and marry the data together? They want to acquire a thousand data sets a year uh, and increase that, and then and consume that data um, uh, autonomously and automatically. Uh, so this is the challenge that they're facing, and they're doing this because the more you can build uh, a, a more complete picture, the more you can detect differences uh, and opportunities in the markets. Yeah, that's um, that's incredible. How do you keep abreast of AI developments? Because it just seems that there's, it's moving so quickly. So, for instance, I didn't actually realize that the emotional um, AI, you know, tech has evolved as much as it has. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there's, um, I personally read uh, an archive called uh, dot org, And it's, it's basically an archive at uh, Cornell where all the top AI researchers publish their papers. Um, and it's a very, very rich source um, of new ideas. Google publishes their papers there, Facebook, all the cutting edge research is, is available there. Um, and, but it's very technical. So, uh, so that's really how we stay abreast of literally like the, the most cutting edge, uh, work and incorporate some of the, the new ideas into the work that we're doing. When I say cutting edge, we're benchmarking our work now in August against stuff that was published at the end of July. Uh, so we're really on it. Um, and then, and then, uh, from, for, for a more, um, less technical version, uh, O'Reilly, uh, basically published, uh, an artificial intelligence newsletter, which is actually a very good source of, uh, news in the AI space. And, uh, the best thing is to cross that with O'Reilly's beta newsletter, because many of the tools in machine learning, uh, such as uh, Hadoop and Spark and uh, all the, the tools to analyze data are required as a precursor to actually the, you know, what you do in the AI space. So they really go like hand in hand. 
Um, so I think focusing on, in on, on those two areas is good. And there's another machine learning site called KD Nugget, um, so which is really KD Nuggets, okay. N-U-K-D-N-U-G-G-E-T-S. Dot okay. com. Okay. And, um, and that's really for all things uh, machine learning. Um, and it's a, it's a very good resource too. Okay, super. All right, dude. Well, that's, um, that's amazing. Um, if we can move on to questions from the uh, community, that'll be superb. Actually, wait, I've got one more. Just, uh, just come back to me. If you were a startup, sure. right? So forget that you're now CEO of Ford Lane, <laughs> if you can, for a moment. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a good thing. Get to relax. <laughs> so you're in, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're in a new startup, right? Um, you want to get involved in the health category, for instance, and you've, you've identified an opportunity. What you do know is that you need to have an engine. You need to have an AI system or platform that is going to crunch shitloads of data for you to ultimately deliver the product and service to market at scale. What decision-making process do you go through in order to decide what AI platform that you effectively would pay an annual license for, maybe there's a, a SaaS version of that. I think Google actually, you can buy uh, pockets or modules, I guess, or something like that. But, you know, you need a capability. What do you do? Um, I would say the, the first thing to do really is uh, actually focus in on who is your client uh, who is the customer and what do they really want? And you have to ask yourself the question, um, is this very, very painful for them? Um, and is, or is this something that is very, very cool? And, and then go out and see if anybody else has done it. And if a handful of people have done it, uh, then you're probably in a good space. If nobody has done it, you also might still be in a good place, but that could also mean that like, it's, uh, it's, it's too difficult or it's, it's not a good idea. That's the first thing I would do. Who is the client and what do they want? Um, and, and then kind of step backwards from there. Now, when it comes to deciding, let's just say you've got that figured out and you've mapped that all out and you're happy with that on paper. Um, deciding what platform to use, I think um, it's, you know, you could get cracking with uh, Microsoft, uh, you know, IBM Watson or Google, I would say that they're, uh, they're all equally good. Um, they do, um, and I would bootstrap with that. Um, you, if you are a coder or you know the coder, you can probably get somebody to help you create this uh, for you in a matter of weeks. Uh, you could even train yourself to do this, uh, also by following online courses, um, also probably in one to two months, you can learn everything you need to know. Um, and, um, and I'll go about it in that way. And I would build a, uh, very basic version of, uh, of what, uh, your, your, your idea is. And I would just show it to people. And that's ultimately what we did. And we showed it to, to more and more people. And now we've shot it to managing directors at banks all around the world and universally they like it. Um, and that's really how we've driven development. It's driven, uh, it's demand driven basically. Um, and, uh, I think that's a good approach. 
Okay. Um, but you can you can learn it yourself. And uh, the most important thing is don't spend a lot of time or money setting up a company, a website, or any of that. Just write down on paper uh, what your idea is, test it with people around you, then go ahead and get the technical person or if you're that technical person, put together a toy version or a very, very basic version, show it to people and see if they like it. If they don't or if, they, if there is a lot of interest, go ahead and continue. And then go backwards and forwards and see your idea, the, the, the product or the toy model, uh, to get it to demo and then get it to more people and, and go that way. Um, and then you might want to start considering putting some money into it. But don't waste your time putting money into it, building the company and doing the website before you've done that. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, cool, dude. Sorry, I'm kind of jumping around a bit. <laughs> sure. But, um, this is fun. <laughs> cool. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, so I am as well, by the way, I think AI is such a cool subject. I dig it a lot. Um, cool. So I was going to ask you, Simon from the community says, okay, so if you're the CEO, uh, what are the first three things you check about forward lane when you wake up? Email. <laughs> as, is there uh, is there a landmine waiting in my inbox? Um, um, and uh, mostly there isn't, but there's uh, there's always some sort of sense of that. Um, and um, and uh, the next thing after that um, is really is uh, thinking about the team. Uh, we've got twenty two people on the team now, and um, so I'm thinking about how I can support and help people, uh, whether it's developers or in sales or business development. Um, and, um, and then sometimes, um, you know, you just wake up feeling optimistic and, um, my favorite days are when I'm in a creative mode and, uh, and I have ideas about the product design and then I'll just come in and, Usually, I actually get swept away in uh, in uh, kind of running the company and managing the company. But when I do get time to do design work and uh, and work on new ideas, uh, that's my favorite part. But I love working with the team, and I, I love seeing the team working together in harmony. And um, and uh, but it's tough. It's really tough. It's harmony is very difficult to reach. <laughs> As in anything, I guess. Yeah. But especially harmony in the workplace and the startup, geez, heavy. I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah, No. Um, So uh, next question I have here is from uh, Leoni. He says, uh, if you had $2,000, how would you double it in 24 hours? In 24 hours? Um, Uh, And you can't go gambling because I know what you're going to (laughs) do. In 24 hours, that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's a, a very equation. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, um, I, I probably wouldn't try and double it. So I would, I would invest in myself. Um, and I would probably go do IDO storytelling course, which costs $400. I would go do sign up to uh, on O'Reilly to have like this online university 
with all of the machine learning and AI stuff and lectures from uh, Hadoop World and Strata and, and all of this. I've signed up to that. Um, and I'll probably do some Harvard Business Review MOOC courses. And out of that, I think I would probably get $20,000 worth of value um, and, and then use that. Um, so that's what I would do. Okay. Um, it's not quite doubling, but it's, it's, it's going for the 20 X result as opposed to two X. <laughs> so good. So good. Well, well done. I'm that question. Like, no, I'm not. <laughs> but it's such good advice. As well. I mean, the best thing you can make is in yourself, right? So it's a kind of a trick question because why would you, because I mean, if you're going to double something in 24 hours, it's, you know, limits your options quite a lot. But if you take, you know, a kind of a broader view on the journey, which is really what it's all about, it's a hundred percent the best advice. And I would definitely invest uh, invest in a, a communications course too, because communications probably makes up thirty percent of you know being effective in business or even IT or, or anything you do. So I would definitely focus on communications. Okay. Yeah. I actually did a course recently called critical conversations. <laughs> no. And then, really? I re- yeah, and then I realized that all my conversations are critical. <laughs> 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 so, oh, geez, I, you know, I kind of gave this. <laughs> but I agree. Communication. And by the way, communications is a very hard thing to do writing. It is. It is. It is difficult. Uh, it's constantly changing. I mean, as a general rule of thumb, um, you know, one of the things I found when I was working at CQS uh, in quantitative research, which is uh, it's a twelve billion euro hedge fund, is that uh, I would do a week's worth of work, and then I'd tell my boss everything that I'd done, and ultimately, he became frustrated uh, over a period of time. And uh, eventually he just said to me, you know, I don't give a shit what you've done. All I care about is results. So go back and spend at least 10% of your time focused on figuring out what you're going to tell me and, um, and make sure you've got that clear in your head and so that you can communicate that because that's the real value out of the work you're doing. Nobody cares about the 80 to 90% of the work you've done to get that conclusion. Um, so that really stuck with me a lot, and it's something that I share with uh, with uh, the people in our team and uh, in our company. Is uh, yeah, I don't give a shit what you do. Just make sure it's high, it's high impact when you communicate it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a very hands off approach, but it's cool. It's right. Yeah. I, I kind of manage my team the same way. It's like if you, you know, can I, and I love to test them because it's all about, you know, applying your mind at something. And um, I was given yeah. a, a piece of advice. Uh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this one on you, right? But it was a piece of advice I gave a shot. <laughs> I couldn't work it out, but I'm going to try it on you. Um, so sure. if you have 60 minutes, only 60 minutes to solve a problem, how do you spend the 60 minutes? Uh, that's actually a, a very good question. And actually, uh, to kind of cheat on to because it was given to me um, at CQS is, is that, uh, you know, you ask the question 
what kind of answer do you want? Uh, do you want, um, and this is kind of slightly outside of the 60 minutes, but um, you ask the person that is, is requesting a piece of information, do you want an answer in uh, one day? Do you want it in half a day, in an hour, or in five minutes? Um, and you should have and be able to generate an answer that is at that level uh, for anything you're being asked. So I would say, what kind of answers you want? And, um, and based on the 60 minutes, I would say probably spend, uh, you know, 40 to 50 minutes focused on, um, on determining what the answer is. And I might split that up into a third, uh, research, a third doing some, uh, you know, work and, um, and then a third, like analyzing results. And then the last kind of 10 minutes or so, I was figuring out, how I'm actually going to communicate uh, that as the answer. Um, so that would be my process for an hour. And I would take the same process and really kind of split out that, that ratio for three hours for a week. Um, but I wouldn't try and do anything in more than a week. Uh, I think that was one of the key learnings I, I got from being at CQS is uh, don't try and do anything more than a week. Uh, break, break things down into bite-sized chunks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, <clears throat> the answer that I have for that particular question is actually the only one that I have. And <laughs> 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 he said he would spend fifty-five minutes thinking about the problem, and then only five minutes thinking about the solution. And I think when as soon as I heard that, yeah. I was, and that's basically it's pretty much what you said, right? But just you came at it at a different angle. Yeah. Primarily, you were allocating a large majority of your time thinking about either, well, in your case, the answer, and he was saying what the problem is. In your case, it was the solution. So it's interesting, eh? But um, yeah. yeah. But I think the insight there is like, and this is what I tell my team, and that's how I started on this whole story, was, mm. and that's what I tell my team. If, if you get stuck, don't, come not, don't walk into my office looking for a solution, right? Yeah. Think about the problem. Why do you, why are you experiencing that problem? Because the best gift you can ever, I suppose, give your team is the gift of autonomous thought. <laughs> do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Amongst many other things. Yeah. I think when it comes to learning things, and I think this is why it kind of ties back to AI so well, um, is, is this ability to learn things quickly and to approach things in a new way, right? Absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, I can uh, agree more. I think, uh, you know, instead of uh, solutions, it's like what other questions can you ask? Uh, you know, just kind of riffing on what you're on Einstein there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was riffing him off. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Uh, cool, buddy. So last part of the interview, um, I usually tee this up as rapid fire, but some of the questions don't come back very rapid, rapidly, or the answers don't come back very rapidly. So, uh, so, here's, sure. so let's help, see how we go with you. Okay, cool. So um, what book have you gifted to, to someone else the most? Um, there's a book that I give to our team, every team member, and it's called The Innovators. Um, and it's written by the, the biographer of uh, Steve Jobs, and it's about the history of computing. And that, to me, says more about team dynamics and computing 
than anything I've ever come across. And it's very reassuring too, because you learn about Bill Gates when he was uh, like a teenager. And, um, and as uh, an entrepreneur, sometimes, you know, even a developer, you can be up like coding to like all hours of the morning or waking up at 4am and, you know, starting to work. And seemingly to you, you're crazy relative to other people around you. Well, it turns out we're not, crazy. turns out there's a lot of really smart people in history who do exactly the same thing. Uh, so to me, it was uh, very reassuring to read this, that I'm not a freak and uh, <laughs> and that there's actually plenty of people just like us. <laughs> Hashtag Nathan is not a freak. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you look back at reading that book, um, is there, what was the most interesting thing that you read or that jumps out to you about reading that book? Um, I think that there are a lot of interesting things. Uh, probably for me, the most, uh, most interesting is, is um, the factors that actually led to innovative new ideas becoming successful. And, um, and you, it, there's a good contrast between some of the breakthroughs of computer science where the same idea arose at certain times in different places and then they kind of really look into like, why did one idea not become like the famous, why did one person not become famous and one person did when it's the same idea? And it's really, I think around, uh, one of the key insights was uh, having cross-functional teams of like experts, having a supporting environment and having uh, resources. So uh, being in an environment where there are resources available to you. So accelerators are helpful, for example, in our modern day, uh, using frameworks, APIs, leveraging Google, IBM, Microsoft, getting into their programs, uh, and making sure your team has got, uh, you know, you've got the right support structure where people have got different skill sets. Uh, I think those are the kind of precursors to success. Okay, great. Um, next question I have, Bud, is, um, is this one, when you hear the word successful, who do you think of and why? Elon Musk. <laughs> you actually look like him. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know? There's no video. You're going to have to and that's, be epic. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually twofold. Um, one, because of course, what he's done as an entrepreneur. Uh, but two, because, you know, they basically modeled uh, Iron Man uh, in the movie on him. Yes. So I think uh, it's kind of funny from two points of view. Um, yeah, mostly because he's an entrepreneur, but also because yeah, you know, he's a badass, awesome guy. Yeah, he's a superhero. And of course, he's South African. And he's South African, yes. How can we doubt ourselves? The most important part. I oh, know. I mean, just look at him. Wow. <laughs> so much to be proud yeah. yeah. Although, um, but it's so funny, you know, it's like, you know, there's Vinny, there's yourself, there's Elon. And those are just, you know, the guys that I know. There must be, you know, so many, uh, interestingly enough, I think, Saffirs that have made the jump and actually made it rain over there. You know, there's um, what is fascinating is uh, is I gave a keynote speech at this uh, Invest uh, New York Wealth Management Conference, and they had all these senior people from like all the banks and and robo all the robo advisors were there, the CEOs of the robo advisors, Betterment, Fixfake, etc. And uh, so I gave this talk on on AI, and actually I don't know how, but I, I was one of the keynote speakers. And uh, interestingly. 
the CEO of Personal Capital is uh, Zimbo. Um, the CEO of Bloom, which is another robo-advisor, is South African. Um, and actually, South Africans and uh, Zimbo dominated the conference as in terms of entrepreneurs. So that was very cool. I, I really liked that. Uh, that uh, as South Africans are really uh, actually covering a lot of ground in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really really great. Um, so next question, buddy, is um, is this one? Who comes to mind when you think of the word punchable? Punchable. Punchable. Um, punchable. Oh, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, dude. It's amazing. Like how many of like the guys I interview basically all say Donald Trump without fail. Even Donald Trump and Zuma. Yeah. Oh no, shame. He's it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Him too. Him too. (laughs) Although Trump says, (laughs) although Trump claims he'll take Zuma out if he uh, becomes president. Did you read that one? I would, I would, I would love to see that happen. (laughs) (laughs) True, true. Mutual destruction. <laughs> well, um, no political views are uh, part of the uh, Digital Kung Fu show or represent the DK show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do not listen to what we're saying. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, so if you had to go back in time, I gave you a time machine. I said, here are the keys. Jump in there and go back to yourself uh, as a 20-year-old. Um, what advice about business or life would you give to yourself? Uh, you don't need to party as hard. <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> Absolutely rubbish. You've been to Ibiza. I know, I know what happens there, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I, I would say, I would say that, you know, work, smarter not harder and i kind of eventually gravitated towards that towards you know late 20s early 30s but if i'd actually just fundamentally like pursued that to start um as as a basic premise i think i i, I probably would have had a better time um and and also um yeah, ambition is is important, but um, I mean, I think family is is very important too. And uh, you know, you don't need to be so critical of of yourself, really. Um, ultimately, it's easy to say that, but like everybody's critical of themselves. Uh, but like, give yourself a break, basically. Um, so yeah, work smarter, not harder. Whenever somebody says to you, working hard is a good thing to do, tell them that they're wrong and that working smarter, not harder is the right thing to do. And, uh, I would say if you say that, if you say that to yourself every single day, uh, that helps. One other thing I would say is that, um, if you say to yourself every day, um, things are getting better and better. Uh, they actually did a scientific study on this, and by not saying what gets better and better, um, your mind actually actually thinks about you getting better, and it kind of fills in the blanks for you. So if you say to yourself, "Every day I'm getting better and better," um, you're going to feel better naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say try that out. 
Right, I'm going to start trying that out. I'll um, probably start a, a vlog, uh, or maybe start posting a YouTube channel. And this is me saying <laughs> it's getting better and better every day, and then seeing what actually happens and documenting that. What do you? Think? That I, I think it's a great idea. I think it'll be an awesome, fun experiment. <laughs> Awesome. I'll challenge you. I'll challenge you after that. <laughs> That'd be good, actually. I'll give it a shot. Uh-huh. Yeah, only your, I suppose your manifestations would be slightly different to mine. <laughs> Who knows? It could be the same. You know, well, no, no. I've got kids. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> You're building things. Building AI. That's cool. So, listen, Betty, last question yeah. for you. What's your why as an entrepreneur? Why? Yeah, why? Um, why do you do what you do? You know, it, it's, it used to be really all about myself, uh, but now it's really about uh, making the lives of people that are invested uh, in, in the idea of forward lane, uh, their lives better. And, um, you know, really kind of building, you know, like this dream company culture where, you know, people are supported and you've got this kind of, I mean, it's quite idealistic, really. It's, um, you know, like having this ultimate company where people get paid very well, they can pursue their own dreams, that they feel like they're they're invested in the company and they have total freedom to explore, like, their their greatest ideas. And to be from literally anywhere in the world, whether you're Chinese, Japanese, you know, Indian, black, white, whatever, male, female, and uh, everybody gets treated the same and supported and you know, feeling like they're part of the family and, and allowed to flourish and become like great human beings. So that is what gives me, like makes me feel warm and fuzzy uh, these days. So that's my why. That's amazing. Nathan Stevenson, CEO of Ford Lane, uh, gonna, <laughs> creating some majorly interesting uh, things, I'm sure. And, and we'll be following, especially I will. I don't know who listens, but, uh, <laughs> but um, it's going to be awesome to, uh, to follow where things go. I mean, it's just amazing what you guys are doing. So I feel privileged and honored yeah. to be able to share your story. Thanks, Matt. And, and I'd just like to say um, one last thing to, uh, to the listeners out there. Big up to Matt for being selected for TEDx Johannesburg. Series will come through rocks. And, um, and uh, can't wait to see what Matt has in store for us next. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thank you so much for your time. I'm going to actually mention one thing. Funny enough, we're talking about bots. Um, I built... Uh, a bot for digital kung fu. Uh, if you go to awesome. our uh, Facebook page, you can play around with him. He's uh, he's not even a month old yet, eh? So be nice, play nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, give him a shot. We'll give him a shot. Yeah, we'll have hammer. a go. Yeah, have a go. Have a go. He's friendly. He doesn't bite that hard. So. <laughs> but he's I like it. We'll he'll, give help him a he'll help you browse through content and make recommendations for specific shows based on your interests and that kind of stuff. So it's a nice fun way to kind of get the real experience of what a bot does and can do. So there you go. Awesome. That's Nathan, fantastic. Thank you, buddy. And uh, yeah, have enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Will do. And uh, cheers from Riot Studios in uh, New York City. <laughs> cheers, pal. Walk on. <laughs> 
Remember that the Digital Kung Fu Show is now on iTunes, so head on over there now and leave us a review. You can also catch the Digital Kung Fu Show on player.fm, Stitcher, and cliffcentral.com. Thanks for listening to the Digital Kung Fu Show. If you'd like to check out more episodes and get access to our growing community of entrepreneurs working together to succeed in business, then please visit our website at www.digitalkungfu.co.za. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.